Thanks for always for listening to Fluff and Crunch. Today is a special episode. It is a joint episode between Kyle, the GM at Bastard Quest podcast, and Chris and I. And it's kind of funny because when we were finished with this, Chris reminded me that we forgot to do the introduction as to how this came about in the first place. So I'm going to quickly say, how did this come about in the first place? A couple of months ago, Kyle from Bastard Quest reached out to me through Reddit and said, hey, I really like your show. Uh, This is our show. We do these actual plays with some commentary about rules. And we'd love, we think it'd be cool if you guys would write an adventure that we would run. And so I talked to Chris and he said, cool. And I thought it was a good idea. So we settled on Conan because they like Conan. And I wrote The Judas Priest, an 80s metal-inspired savage Conan adventure. At least that was my intention. Uh, And so the adventure itself consists of two acts of two scenes each. Each act in each scene is named after a Judas Priest song, a classic Judas Priest song that I took as inspiration story-wise for what went on in the scene and what went on in the adventure in general. So I wrote the thing. Chris gave me some feedback on it. And if you haven't listened to Bastard Quest's actual plays, here's a quick summary. Scene one involves the characters returning to their small hometown, their village more like it, and they arrive after an attack. They fight off some of the leftover attackers. They find out some information. The children have been kidnapped and whatnot, and so they pursue. Scene two takes place on the highway as they're pursuing the enemy, where they're attacked by wolves that have been summoned by sorcerer's powers to trouble any pursuers. Act two, scene one, consists of a set-piece battle on a bridge where a, uh, like a guardian champion has been left by the bad guys to slow down the, uh, the, the pursuers. And finally, the last scene consists of fell sorcery, sacrifice, wild-eyed cultists, a betrayer, and a nasty artifact. I passed it off to the Bastard Quest guys, and they ran it in two sessions. They dropped their episodes on uh, Thanksgiving, and then on 1 December, they're about an hour each. Um, And then we just met, and the three of us talked over the adventure, and and some of the places where Kyle made some changes and why, and some of our, our, our joint feedback and reflections on the adventure, on Conan, and on gaming in general. We had a really nice conversation Kyle's a great guy, and um, and I think we're going to do some some future collaborations of some sort with the, the folks at, at, at Bastard Quest. Uh, but in the meantime, take a listen, and I will have, there's a link in uh, on the Anchor page, in the show notes, and also on our Discord to a free PDF version of this adventure. So if you're a Conan GM, or you want to be a Conan GM, which you should be, you should want to be a Conan GM, uh, you can download this adventure from me for free and have fun with it. Uh, go listen to some 80s metal and, uh, and slaughter some cultists because uh, they got it coming. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Here we go. We are recording. So, hello, Chris, and hello, Kyle. That's hello. Cool. A third person Hi, for once. 
Or for third, this is the third time we've yes, had a third, third person. Yeah, the first non. No, no, you had someone else that was non modifius Oh, that's first right. First time we've done three people, we've had a non modifius person. So now we've increased oh. our non modifius guest compliment by a hundred percent with this episode. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, fun with I, percentages. I guess I should say I'm Kyle, the the GM from the Bastard Quest actual play podcast. Right on. And the way that we always start every episode is with what kind of gaming have you done in the last week? So, Kyle, what kind of gaming have you done in the last week or so? Oh, wow. So this what's, what's a be, highlight? Uh, obviously, uh, we played Bastard Quest, uh, our games on Bastard Quest, which this last week we played Root, uh, which is a game about woodland animals fighting each other in a brutal war. <laughs> if there's a, a board like game nature. called Root where the, the different factions are like foxes and birds and rabbits, and they all have wildly different combat mechanics. It's a strategy war game. But uh, we played that for kind of a one-shot on the show. Uh, but I've also played, in my personal gaming, I've been playing Burning Wheel and Blades in the Dark. How about you, Chris? Well, we should have spent a decent amount of time planning our big D&D thing for next year, but we spent an hour watching um, Japan knock Germany out of the World Cup instead. Because... Uh, <laughs> That was more interesting. Um, we just couldn't just get away from the TV. And so then we just carried on our, our planning for our D&D uh, campaign for next year, which was mostly us looking at pictures and messing around with a projector and very little actual planning. But are you? I forget, are you going to run that from one of the published adventures? Or no. <laughs> you're making up I your have, own thing? Yeah, we, we kind of, we had this world that we kind of made up. I think it was during COVID. It definitely was during COVID because it was all done online uh and so now we're like coming up with ideas for what we're going to do in it and how we're going to run it but the idea at the moment is we're going to rotate gms so i think we should do an episode on this somewhat but essentially the theory so spoilers is we're gonna have three gms and therefore three groups of three pairs of pcs we all have to have two pcs so that's what we're doing is working out which pcs we can put together and yeah, because I just don't want, I want to play for a bit and I don't want to GM all the time. And then, you know, Scott's actually inadvertently, he's decided he's going to, um, he started like GMing for his kids. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I have no yeah, idea what the adventures will be like. We'll probably just kill monsters and just like, yeah, I'm fine. how about you? I've got, I've got some ideas brewing already, but I won't throw <clears> them at you. That actually, I, I like the sound of that. I, I had, um, I had, you know how players, they, they get in the way of running everything, everything. <laughs> they get in the way of running like your, the, the stories you want to run consistently. So I had, I had a, a, a player not be able to make it this, actually all my players weren't able to make it this weekend. So I got together with two other friends of mine and I ran for the third time in the last two weeks, the Judas Priest adventure that bastard quest just ran and it's been fascinating i've this is this is a new thing 40 some odd years of this silly gaming and this is a first time that i that i have run an adventure three times and listened to it or beheld it being run another time and every time <laughs> things have gone differently nice two of the groups that i ran were ran pretty close to one another uh this last one took some some different routes and your group took some different routes and that's just that's just fascinating to me um but yeah like i we, we talked about the idea we're going to do this follow-up uh to the two episodes that bastard quest just dropped on thanksgiving and then uh one december the yeah. one hour episodes in which your group went through the adventure and i think it was funny here i am you know i i when i got to the end of the second one that uh that they finally figured out why the title 
Why the Judas Priest? Because of the wretched and treacherous Throngar. Yeah, who's the yeah. shaman who's the, yeah exactly i put that together at the very end and i'd read it a couple times i thought i mean i was so i was fixating on the the musical reference and wasn't really thinking about it i i guess literally um and, and of course was preoccupied with figuring out okay how am i gonna run this are you gonna squeeze it into two one-hour sessions yeah right right because uh you don't until i think probably most gyms don't have this problem until you are trying to to squeeze a certain amount of play into an, an hour, you don't realize how long a typical encounter takes. So true. Um, so for example, when I was reading through the Judas Priest, I thought, well, okay, so there's a certain amount of combat that I'm just not going to have time to do. Yeah. But how can I, how, how can I, you know, give the, the gist of those? So for example, the, the wolf combat, I, I yeah. think I shortened it just into kind of a, an obstacle one for time and two, we had just had a wolf fight in the one ring. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> which, which most GMs will probably not have that issue where they've, they've right, just yeah. had a, a wolf fight in a different RPG. I like the way you dealt with that. That was really clever. Like almost the same. Like, this is kind of a combat that I don't really need to do. It's like, you know, it's not pointless, but it's not, not really adding a lot. Right. Let's just deal with it as a challenge. What it's doing is, because we had the time tracker. We, Jeremy yeah. had done the time tracker. Um, so it gave you, you know, if they mess the roll up, they'll add, it'll take more time. And so, yeah, I thought that was, yeah. that was clever. That was a good way of doing it. I thought, you. you know, I thought that was really, really smart because <clears throat> my thought was there isn't enough time in a short adventure for like lots of investigation. Cause you know what players do when they investigate crap, uh, they investigate everything oh, yeah. that is not useful. And then all of a sudden an hour goes by. So I said, okay, I have yeah. to make this linear without making it limiting or try to and i realized after the second time i ran it that i would have completely and i did actually i'm i'm in the process of revising the adventure and i changed the wolf encounter completely actually anyway making it more of a challenge along the lines of what you did because it, it just yeah it i think that absolutely made more sense and by the way if you're gonna i am gonna release this thing as a pdf on our discord and just let anyone have it the go. revised version so if you're a player you should stop listening now <laughs> that's your one warning but yeah, yeah so I, I i saw it the same way i saw it the same way i i, I changed that a bunch i did uh i really liked the time tracker idea even though um i like mechanisms especially when it is a linear adventure that that say to the players you have to do stuff and so i was uh i know you wrote in there tell the players or not i always when it when it's that sort of thing i always tell the players mm. i say hey you're on a deadline because even even if it's not an investigation adventure players are notorious for every stone i want to kick over and now we have i have less of an issue with that on on bastard quest because we all come to the table knowing hey we're we are creating a product right yeah. an entertainment product but i i i love the the sort of damocles hanging over everybody and they did pretty well. They they pushed yeah. pretty hard. They didn't uh, they didn't screw around much. Yeah, which... I th I thought of that. It was um in the Octon Cthulhu GM's guide. There's the what is it the there's like that reverse stealth tracker that they talk about for a page or two. And then in the SRD, they 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 mention the idea of different kinds of countdowns and things like that. So I think that's what was rattling around in the back of my head. And this idea that you know how do you like I, I I run games. I always try to run games that are kind of oddball things, like like two d twenty stuff that lots of people haven't played. I try to run those kinds of things at conventions, 
And, but you always have the challenge of like, I've got three and a half hours. Like I have a four hour block, but realistically I have about three and a half to three, three, three fifteen to run this thing. So how do I, how do I keep them on track without slapping them and making them, you know, do a certain way. And so I thought that would be helpful for you to, uh, to move things along. And so, yeah, so then I, but I'm going to formalize that. I think again, after having run it and listened to it, I'm going to formalize how I'll give the advice to the GM at each scene of like, if you do this, this is how many points you get or lose so that it's a little, a little more clear, a little easier to make, to make sense of unless, I mean, did it make sense? Yeah, I think it made sense. Now, uh, I would, are you familiar with the clocks mechanic from Blades in the Dark? I'm not. I mean, I've read it a bit. I was going to say about this. It's yeah. funny, one of the funny things. I would have said that when they when 2D, when Modiphius did um, Dishonored, I feel like they were like, well, let's look at some other semi-steampunky yeah. kind of things. And I, to me, it felt like they'd looked at Blades in the Dark. And go, oh, look, it's got this clocks mechanic. Yeah. Um, let's throw that in. And then I don't think Jeremy's actually read Dishonored, but inadvertently I, he's taken. Not deeply. <laughs> <laughs> so well. in, in brief without without getting too far afield on blades of the dark the clocks mechanic is just you're playing a game you draw a circle with some lines to it to create a, basically a simple pie and any any and you're you're using that as your tracker it's just a really easy way to keep up with the tracker especially if you're playing in person and you can just put it in the middle of the table and everybody can see and know where they are and each time okay. something happens that increments your time you just you just shade in a part of the clock. There's another, uh, I think Ironforged does it differently where they they draw like a bunch of trackers on the character sheets for filling in. That's another, that's an interesting mechanic uh, from that game. But those are what I thought of. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of anything that, that tracks progression in games and just pushes people forward. Yeah, because instead of you, the GM saying like, you have to do this or whatever, you, it just provides them a meta reminder as players that I, I need to, I need to keep focused. And I, I think that's, you know, like in a horror game, if you can give your players the creeps, glorious. And in a game where there's some time tension, if you can make the players feel a bit of the time tension that you don't have to worry about pushing it onto the characters in the story, the players will take care of it themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we want to we want to affect the players emotionally. I mean, their characters are great, but at the, at the end of the day, if the player, you know, yeah. if you're not affecting the player, then what's the point? So I like that. I, uh, yeah. I really like the bridge fight a lot. It, it, it always, as always, and every, whenever I like an NPC, they always die way faster than I want them to. Totally. But I love the idea of the bridge fight. Uh, this one point they have to cross the, this badass dude. Oh, wait, can I cuss on your podcast? I don't, you just did. It's all right. Okay. We don't. We don't. We don't knives. drop a lot. But if it comes yeah. out telltale like that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to that. if you go to our podcast, Master Quest, there there's a lot of cursing. Just to the audience, be warned. Uh, but yeah, I really like that fight, and I think uh, Austin was who was playing a Hyrcanian horse archer, basically he galloped through the grease, and it went well for him. It, it didn't mess up. Yeah. But I was I was so gonna have his horse just tumble off into the river. I was so sad I didn't get to. I, you know, it's, what's frustrating with that fight. I, I, and I change. I'm not going to talk about the mechanics of the revision that I'm making, but I, um, I realized that unless you, unless you provided pregens in which there's no proficient archer, oh. then it, it, you can't just do the standoff and kill the dude. And I, that right. was because I actually I love the idea of it. Like that that Judas Priest song, the Sentinel 
for me, always like conjures up this image of some kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland and some like dude guarding something. And he doesn't even know why he's guarding it, but he's guarding it. And he's got all these knives that he's throwing and whatnot. I was like, I always wanted to use that in a scene. And, uh, and it, it, in all three times, it didn't work. It didn't, he got killed so quickly because there was a proficient archer. The first time I ran it, though, the grease almost killed one of the uh, one of the PCs and resulted in a uh, that PC's primary weapon going flying off the bridge into the river. So that was good. Um, nice. But I'm but I'm reworking that scene a little bit so that the just standing off and peppering the dude with ranged weapons is a little harder. I can say it's something in general I've found having played a bit of Conan recently that even the biggest, strongest, scariest bad guys don't have many rules to protect them. Whereas then looking at acting Cthulhu, they've like, you can tell that they've seen, oh, there's an issue here. Um, because if you can do like, you know, if you can keep doing five harm, that's a wound, five harm, that's a wound. And like you yeah. said, it came up in your podcast that like, oh, someone had a weapon was an intense. Well, if I get one wound, bam, I get two on it. So it's really easy to kill people. Um, but in acting <laughs> yeah, Cthulhu, yeah. they've added in rules, essentially presents that like you can't, five isn't a wound. It'll be like 10 or 50, something crazy, big numbers. Um, and multiple wounds instead of just always kind of capping out at, you know, a minion is one wound and a, the next one is sort of two or three and then it's five like a player. Um, whereas in Conan, it didn't have that stuff. So actually, if you have players that are super designed to be like ultra combat efficient, they can wreck people in Conan very quick. I mean, the bad guys can do it as well, but it, yeah, it means Conan sure. is super bloody, which I guess is true to the, like, you know, to the property, but at the same time, doesn't always work in, in your role playing thing. So nice to see they've realized that but yeah. it's something to be aware of especially like in a one shot if you don't realize it oh wow my bad guys just died really quickly yeah it's hard i don't want to you don't want to make a especially like your single big bad you never want to make them so tough either in dealing out damage or i think maybe even worse their ability to just sustain or shrug off lots of damage so that it becomes that horrific fourth edition oh, two yeah. hour five round I want to leave the room and never come back grind of a fight. Um, but they're also, it's hard to find that, 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 or aim for that sweet spot of player satisfaction of like, we had a tough fight. And I we think still part prevail. of that is independent of system. It is really difficult to make a single combatant that is both durable and challenging without it being just a great red dragon and everybody dies or you know the stereotypical they killed my villain in the first round that's just really hard to do with one target because yeah. at the end of the day your action economy which, which is a really pronounced more pronounced in 5e but even in earlier editions of D&D or in something like 2d20 which works very different mechanically when you've got three things hitting one thing and especially with the momentum mechanic where the more players there are to roll, the more chances of generating, the more likely you're going to generate momentum, which means they can end up just dumping that much more damage in. And yeah, just taking and there's the only one, one thing to for him to hit. So, ooh, you know what you could do? You yeah. could put up, uh, maybe he has some human shields he's hiding behind or something from that he kidnapped from the village. Oh, that'd be horrible. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And so any, uh, oh, what's it called when, you, when it comes up a 20 and uh, 20 complication. So a complication comes up, you could do something like, well, that, that yeah. guy eats the damage and 
That's glory. Oh, that be no. You, what is? Then you've got the sentinel, and he's standing there, and like, oh, you see some people, but like, there's some thing, there's some like stuff lying yeah. on the bridge. And as you get to the edge of the bridge, he steps back and like props up these people. Their feet, you know, their hands and their feet are bound, and he just has them standding there. And it's like, um, it's like that road warrior scene when the Lord Humongous and his horde showed up, and all the people <laughs> yeah. were, like tied to the front of cars and things like that. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I mean, oh, that's horrible. No, like, it probably I love wouldn't. It. You could even do something. It probably wouldn't work it for a one shot. But if you were running this, if you're a GM and you've got an established group and you you drop this adventure in and there's NPCs they really like, yes. you could even do a Gwen Stacy and he has one <laughs> tied to the rope and he throws them off. They're just dangling under the bridge. Oh, yeah. OK, OK, so, cool. Because th- that what I had done and I'll just throw this out there then, because if you're a player and you're listening to this and you might your GM might run this, then you're you're. You're short cheating yourself right now. You shouldn't do this. You should stop <laughs> listening. What I was going to do is because, and this was a suggestion from one of my players on Saturday, was increase the difficulty of all ranged attacks by one because of the wind. Yeah, I and, think I did that. I, okay, yeah. Yeah. And not penalize so, the Sentinel because he's using knives and he's a badass. So but you, it's you, much shorter range for him when yeah. they're close enough, you know. Yeah, because that occurred to me because uh, you you dropped in that image of the bridge with no sides, just over yeah, the yeah. river. I thought, oh my totally gosh, the wind's ocean non-compliant. Brutal. I love it. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's yeah, it's it's it was you know prototype for the Death Star bridge, but yeah, yeah. So then um, the last, so so you know, the, the, if you haven't played the adventure, the so the 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 the, the adventure is two acts, two scenes each, and uh, the first scene is just an opening fight. That establishes what's going on. It's in the it's in the player's village or the character's village, and they get mm-hmm. to beat up on some some baddies. Then there's the wolves that we talked about, and then there's this sentinel on the bridge. Now the last scene is the one I looked forward to the most in running it, uh, and I I look forward to the most in listening to it. So what did, what did you think of that? And and how did you guys? I mean, if there were things that you edited out or whatever, but what did you think of of how that last scene played out? And and it's funny because your line about how this is Conan or was it your line or was it someone else? Like there has to be a pit involved. <laughs> I don't remember. So true. I don't remember. And the funny thing, the funny thing was that one of my players was like, you know, you really have to accept that there's a certain degree of camp in conan and that there's so often a pit involved so I, i've been rethinking that perhaps the pit should go perhaps i should keep oh it. no i think you, tell, tell me you've what gotta what, keep it you've gotta like there's nothing better than if you don't know this is a big set piece you know finale moment where there's chanting cultists and and people up for execution there's this weird magic energy an evil artifact and i think uh, i think it's a great cap for a conan adventure that's what you expect to see and we had the previous conan adventure we played was the pit of kutalu yep i listened and to it and so of course that like I, I i no i would absolutely keep it i would absolutely keep okay. it okay um yeah i was looking forward to that battle i i really liked the way it went i liked the mechanic of each well one the time tracker comes back in whereas if they've delayed if they've wasted a lot of time the bad guy's a lot more powerful and if they waste a lot of time he can he can be offing uh, his victims and and charging up the bloodstone. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do uh, do as much with him as I wanted because my players didn't. They didn't wait. They were pretty forthright. Like let's they go, were. and they just charged right in and and got straight to violence. But I yeah, I really like the uh, now though. If we play again with these characters, they have the bloodstone, so that's going to become a problem. 
uh, the because one of them is eventually going to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, of course. They're... Yeah. And so that will be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the final fight. Uh, you get the the Judas priest in there. It's just a, it's it's there's times when you should do the expected thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I think some. Yeah, I think you're so, right. There, are, there are times when you lean into the trope, you grab it, and you hold because of the yeah. value it can provide. Uh, yeah, yeah, and everybody loves a big fight with cultists to stop an evil ritual. That's who doesn't. Who's not into that? Probably the cultists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris is English. He probably does that every weekend. Uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, he's Welsh, Welsh actually. I don't know. Oh, if oh I'm very sorry. I think actually, the Welsh, very sorry. Welsh would be worse at, worse at that. It's way more. Uh, <laughs> now, see, well, you, what, yeah, yeah. Nobody, well, you wouldn't we, have to worry about the cultists pronouncing any of the words, yeah. though. <laughs> That's true. Or actually, then the 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 uh, the strange alien language sounds even even better. I can't speak it. That's a shame. Well, I left. When, a, I left when I was young. I know, but no, do your parents speak yeah. it? No, it's, it's funny because my dad, so in the, when my dad was still in, in Wales when he was a kid, they, they weren't allowed to teach it in schools. This was something that happened later on. So at the point they decided to sort of give the Welsh their own government, they had signs, but then they said, right, we're going to introduce it in school. This is so off tangent. But yeah, it was literally for a long time, the, the Welsh were banned from speaking Welsh in Wales for a really long time. I only realized this relatively recently. So it was a big thing to actually say, we want to be able to speak Welsh Wow. Um, in Wales, to the extent that you know now it's taught in schools, but then they've got to the far extreme where they will teach they will teach it Welsh in schools rather than teaching something in like French or Spanish, which could genuinely well, be useful. Um, French deadline, which is yeah, <laughs> but but for, for us it's, it's not useful for you, but it's useful for us because you know it's nearby. Um, uh, and uh, you know, so that's a, it's kind of crazy. So my dad never was never taught Welsh at school, was so he's wow. been trying to learn it, like you know now going back to learn it because he wasn't sure. allowed to be taught, which is bonkers, but. Yeah massive tangent um, no that's not i mean look if you could learn a language and use it in a game and make it and and here's your strange alien language i mean that would you know um you know what i did with that last scene you know obviously like you said you want the big set piece the the, the conan tropes are fell ritual yeah uh maniacal cultists and evil sorcerer evil sorcerer and having Throngar uh, uh, be the betrayer, the Judas priest, the shaman from the village, and their sacrifice. Now, you changed it to adults. I had it kids because I, I wanted to attempt yes. to make it a little more visceral and horrible. Um, oh, I did change. I changed it to adults just because, well, one, I have two small kids. I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But also I thought, ah, hmm, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, I don't have a lot of survey data on our audience. And so right. I didn't want to go too far if i'd been running it privately i, I almost certainly would have kept the same yeah, so kept it with kids so. what i did was i intentionally i i did it like that because i, I you know the whole idea like they took the children in the first scene i wanted sure. that to be to you know most players are going to have a, a visceral response to that and say okay we need to this needs to to spur us to action mm -hmm. the the first time that I ran it, I sponsor a gaming club, which is really a D&D &D club, the poor kids, at the sure. high school where my wife teaches. And so I ran it for two kids a couple weeks ago. And these are two kids who had never played any. They're great kids. But they never played anything but 5e, you know, like low stakes. 
magic is fun and happy, really bad <laughs> things, really nothing permanently bad happens to you. And so I was like, I was so excited. I was so excited about the final scene because of course, what did they do with the scepter? They picked it up <laughs> and then it yeah. knits into their hand and they're like, what? And the look on their face was like, wait, what? You know, like the, we can't take the magic wand home and like use it for stuff I'm like no no the magic wand is evil and it wants to harm you uh and so so i had that and then they thought about like should we climb down and like i'm like you don't have any rope and i, and I looked at them I'm like do you really think anything good is going to come out of that pit and they're like no, no we don't think so <laughs> no there's no scenario in which that's a good idea no. uh, yeah i do uh, one thing i do like about conan is the the cthulian elements yeah. the lovecraftian uh, undertones. It's not there in all the stories uh, or all the adventures, but it, it's. I love the juxtaposition of this, you yeah. know, blood and sandals and eldritch horrors. Yeah, it, and it, it's. It feels like a. It's an easy and obvious marriage, like all the whole ancient yeah. Atlantean and Thurian and blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff that's baked into Conan. It the the mythos just just fits into that well now i did make i am making some changes to that last scene and and there's actually a call back to the first scene and this was at suggestion of the two guys that i i ran it for this just this last weekend um they i made a big deal whenever um any of the pcs were injured mm -hmm. or you know actually took a wound not just like just took some vigor damage but actually took an a wound or injured whatever it's called in conan um Harm. in there that i made it i made it i made a point of like the excruciating pain as the bloodstone like sucks the blood out of them and like mist forms around their injured leg and this like you know bloody mist from them is like sucked into the stone and they're like oh that's horrible and so at the suggestion of my players what i've decided is there's a like a a scene trait truth whatever you want to call it that if you get wounded if you take the five points you know mm -hmm. in while you're inside that circle um from that point forward you take a you're going to take ongoing uh vigor damage as the thing continues to like draw the blood out of you from a distance and if you have an existing wound from a previous scene, it it tears open the, the the bandage and is sucking the mist blood out of you, just to make it more horrible. Yeah, I think you could even kind of increase that area of effect. Like this is an evil artifact, so that should yeah. I think that could happen even before they're in the cult circle. Oh, I like, like that. if they're coming up the hill or or whatever the geography is. Yeah. So. Think of it as like it affects like a mile or a couple of kilometers around. Now, obviously, you wouldn't want to be ticking it down as if you were playing old D and D and measuring every round and nope. knocking off hit points. But again, you're you're reinforcing the the time impetus and getting them to okay. Well, we got to go in. We're not. We can't screw around. So you could do that. Um, and it could have, and you could have it where it has less delir deleterious effects on the fringe, because you just want to push them in, where it really does bad stuff when once they're closer. But of course, you have to be close to deal with the problem. 
That's where zones, I think, would come in mm. really nicely. Because yeah. I could just establish in that last scene, when you get within a certain number of, you get to long range outside of the, the stone circle. If mm -hmm. you have any wounds, you feel this, like the bandage dampens and then a little bit of mist starts to like, like a pink mist starts to raise up, like on your arm or on your leg or whatever. And that might not cause any vigor damage, but that would cause resolve damage or at least threaten you with resolve damage because that'd be a little freaky. And yeah, then once yeah. you get inside the circle, that's when like the power of it is, is that once you're within medium range of the thing, then it, it actually can cause um, vigor damage because it's, it's actively drawing a, a, an amount of blood out of you, which then obviously forget about the time tracker, forget about the fact that you're in combat. You're like, oh crap, I have to hurry this up yeah. or I'm going to turn into beef jerky. Yeah, you could have the whole, even then you could build it out where the whole cult side is surrounded by this red fog, which as they get closer, they realize it's just bloody vapor. That's what actually what I did. Um, I By the time I ran it the second time, I was like, duh, forget about fog. Yeah. It is this, and I had them like walking up the hill. I'm like, you smell this like kind of metallic tang and you taste like iron in your mouth. And they're like, oh, that's so gross. So I, I part of the revision is there is a, a, a um, what's it called? A discipline role. Oh, yeah. Once you get within the circle because you're standing in this like bloody mist. Now, so what's the what's the failure state if they fail the discipline role? Um, I think what I had is uh, it was like difficulty two and then it was just like one one or I think the initial was um, I think it was two, two CD, two challenge dice of uh, of uh, resolve damage. I'll go back and forth, two or one. Like, I don't want it to be too much, but resolve is that track that just doesn't get hit that much. That's true. No. So chances are people would show up with all or, well, no, it's a new scene. They're going to mm -hmm. show up with all of, and there really isn't anything in the previous scenes. Like the, the wolf encounter I'm changing to like creepy grasping haunted trees. And that's going to, that could, that'll potentially cause some resolve damage, but not that much. Right. So they're going to show up, chances are, with a full track of resolve anyway. So if I attrit some of that, it's not going to be ruinous. No, I think it would be. And if they all die, they all die. Yeah. That's true. Well, that's, that's my suggestion, actually, is that um, unless you are willing to part with your characters or have horrible things happen to them, you should probably use the enclosed uh, pregens. That I'm gonna, that I'll put in. Yeah, there. absolutely. Well, and, and if in a con type game, I mean, it's which I mean, I'm a terrible person. I will kill players at any point, and even their characters. <laughs> well, you know what, what though, I you have soft it. soil there. It's you so see, easy. I, can't, I have like hard. Clay. I can't bury anything in my backyard. You, on the other hand, you have the Mississippi River there. just swallows sins. Or that's. Uh, <laughs> No, no, so yeah, so we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun playing it. I think the guys really enjoyed it. Um, they made all new characters for it. Todd is our big music buff. Uh, every time we would start a new scene, I'd say, Todd, okay, what is this musical reference? Because I know, I know nothing about any music that is not 500 years old. So he really got a kick out of that. Um, well, if you, the funny thing is, if you listen to Priest from like their height, from like early to mid 80s or Dio 
or, or any like there's there's a whole strain of 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 metal from the early to mid 80s that you swear there was a player's handbook and a, and a monster manual somewhere yeah. in the studio <laughs> because it's all this like weird fantasy references and then you watch the videos and you're like why is ronnie james dio running around with a sword because because um, yeah so it, it yeah, it, it's all ready for the references. Now, I'm 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 glad that um, people of a certain age, I think, would uh, would catch the references. Yeah, we 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 enjoyed it, and we're um, I'm gonna. I think I said this before we started recording, or, or I can't remember now, but I'm gonna have to go back to the the fluff and crunch catalog to listen to your Star Trek stuff because we're we're planning on Star Trek at some point. So far for 2D20, we've played Dune, Octon Cthulhu, and Conan. And, and we're yeah. talking about, we're getting the Star Trek core book. Uh, and we're going to play that. So I, I was going to ask you guys, I don't, I'm not a big Star Trek uh, guy. I mean, I have a very pop culture knowledge of it. And I know, sure. I mean, I, I already understand a lot about the rules because it's 2D20. And I know they'll change some stuff, yeah. but is there support in the existing Modiphius rule set for making like the crew of the worst Klingon ship ever. Not in the core book, but there's a separate, because it's, they did a separate Klingon core book. Okay. I actually got for Jeremy has. So they did, they actually did that. So they kind of went, because the original book, you can only play Federation. That's I, it. I assumed, yeah. yeah. Um, but then they released a second, it's not even a second core book, is it? It's literally, they released a Klingon book. They said kind of, if you want to play as Klingons. It, it actually is. Uh, they it's better you the say. the Klingon core book is the entire it, it's the whole set of oh, rules yeah. okay. everything it's longer it is about I think it's about forty or fifty page longer fifty pages longer and it is entirely written from a Klingon perspective and so the you still have sections of Federation and Romulan and other ships and NPCs and things like that. It's exactly like the Federation core book, but it is from a Klingon perspective. And actually, uh, it is, I think the rules are better explained. Really? Hmm. And the uh, the pages are not printed on black. The pages in the core original are black with like light grayish text, <sighs> which for those, yeah. And see, I wear glasses for reading too. And I open that up and I said, oh, expletive. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Um, the. Well, she, you mark all the pages. Yeah, it's as well. like soap Every time bubbles you touch on the, the book. You have freaking fingerprints. Oh, yeah. yeah. Honestly, if, honestly the, um, if you were to buy one, unless you were like hardcore about playing Trek, if you buy one core book, I would actually buy the Klingon core okay. book. Okay. Because there's nothing like. There, you, if you go to, uh, have you been to continuingmissions.com? No, no. Okay, continuingmissions.com is this massive website of Star Trek Adventures stuff. Okay. Like species and ships and NP, like you don't, this sounds terrible, but it's like you actually, beyond one of the core books, you don't need, you don't need any kind of reference material. The community has produced so much stuff. Oh, wow. So honestly, the, I would get the Klingon book. The Klingon core book also has some really cool, um, like Dune, it has house creation yeah. rules because that whole layer of Klingon culture of the house. Um, so yeah, you could you could absolutely, and whatever your definition of worst Klingon crew is, uh, you know, in, incompetent or like, you know, raging and horrible, either way, you could yes. do it. 
yes to all the yeah no i yeah. i think it would i just think the idea of a klingon ship and they're just the, this terrible they're just bad at being klingons they're just bad people it's just they give they're given some horrible mission by the klingon high command that's intended to see them all dead and just their sounds legit yeah. well there's the, the nice thing about the um all both the core books is that they make very clear how to run the how to run the game in any era so if you want to run it like you know original series where the klingons are definitely um antagonists easy or just forget about i mean honestly forget about the federation run a run klingon adventures uh you know like away from federation space and have them just like pillaging and like doing like space mongrel yeah stuff. i was thinking the you know the do the opposite of the original continuing uh, continuing mission where it's the the Klingons as the Enterprise going out and finding strange new worlds yeah. and burning them to the ground and yeah yeah that'd so. be a, that'd be a Klingon <laughs> so I guess do. it'd be more like Rogue Trader at that point but ah you know the uh, the the episodes that that we have we we talk about um, we did a ground combat a notional ground yeah. combat episode and then we did a notional starship combat okay episode. and if there's one piece of Star Trek adventures that is it's not well. I don't know how you would describe it, Chris. It's 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 definitely the 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 bigger lift. Is I mean, it's, it's what you'd combat. imagine if you're going to try and run a thing where there are sort of six different potential positions on the bridge crew and they can all do something and there's multiple NPC ships. If you're going to do it, it's it's going to be complicated yeah. because uh, if you're going to do it really simplistic, yeah. it'll be rubbish. <laughs> so it's it's not easy. But I, I mean, I I've run it and it's not been difficult. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not the easiest, it's not the easiest, but it's, okay. it's one of those things that's, um, what's unfortunate is like I, at cons before I've always made it clear, like, Hey, I'm not going to run starship combat because you really need, you need to be more comfortable with and, and understand the rules at like a more fundamental level, like a deeper level rather in order to do it right. But once you do it right, the starship combat in that game, it feels like you're in an episode. Like the way that the, the players play off one another and trade favors among a group, like I'll do this to the shield so you can do that and fly this attack pattern so we can recharge the engines. It it feels like an episode. And I, I they did a, a really, really nice job. And, and starship combat is much better explained in the Klingon core book than... No, well, I, I definitely have to get that one. I'll have to go listen to the Starship Combat episode. I've listened to your, I listened to your Octan Cthulhu Combat episode before we played Octan Cthulhu. So, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'll definitely do the Starship one because I was, I'm always concerned of Starship rules. Any kind of vehicle combat rules in RPGs tend to either be great or just god awful and, and unusable in a lot of yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah this yeah. no, this does a good job. I, I, I like, I like how it worked out. What are you gonna say, Chris? I say I don't. I don't think they're great in this case, but they're definitely not god awful. They are. They're usable, and they have to be because they. Um, they do. I mean, like, mostly they follow the kind of a lot of the rules from the uh, from the you know the two d twenty system. Um, I mean, like, the rules I really like in Star Trek is the scientific method, which I assume you kind of ignore when you do Klingons because <laughs> I just can't see a bunch of Klingons <laughs> sitting around trying to work out what's wrong with the warp core. They just like yeah. hit it with a hammer. Have or something you hit and, the warp core? You know, like. Yeah, and like you know, so they don't go and find some nebula and go, oh, what's causing the nebula to do weird shit? They just like throw a torpedo in there or just yeah, leave. That's so why I want to do the Klingon I guess you miss thing because I think it's. <laughs> but, um, 
that's a really good bit of the main Star Trek rules. Although I'll, I'll, I'll I will come to the defense. I'll come to the defense of the Klingons and I'll say that you know perhaps you know yeah they they, they do have scientists. The Klingons do have engineers, but their 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 impetus, their animating spirit is okay. How can we weaponize this? Or how how do we use this to the advantage of the glory of our house and the glory of the empire? That kind of thing. So yeah, you are trying to figure out what the heck is with that nebular gas, but you because you want to use it on somebody. Uh, but yeah, we also have an episode on the the scientific method in in Star Trek Adventures. That's you know that's in both both versions of it. But yeah, that that game is terrific and it's way more streamlined than. Um, than Octone Cthulhu, which obviously is more so than than Conan. Um, so, uh, if you know how to play the the crunchier versions, yeah. that version is just super easy. It is interesting to see the differences how they in in various versions because Dune is pretty Dune is streamlined. crazy streamlined. I think the the only mm. one John Carpenter yeah. is pretty strong, and Dishonored is more streamlined, but. Yeah, Dishonored and, and Dune are like crazy streamlined credit. I mean, we started at the beginning, so we played the like the hardcore ones and then seen the evolution. But yeah, if you've you've gone from like acting Cthulhu going back to Conan, which is like adding on extra layers of, of complexity. So that was interesting to do. It's funny. Um, I I think all the guys liked Conan the most. Yeah. I like I love it. I think and I'm really I'm bummed that you know Modiphius is losing the license. 31 December, there's, they're not producing anything else. 31 December, the license officially is gone. And then June of 2023, they, they have until then to sell off all of their content, I mean, all their, their stuff. It's bad, but realistically, I don't see what else they'd... The only thing they could do with the license now is release more adventures. There's no more setting to do. Yeah, when they released true. the kind of other settings, point. like when they did the things based on the online game and the, and the board game, people complained that they hadn't stuck to their promise of doing nothing but Howard stuff. So the only thing they could do now is adventures. So it's a shame they didn't get to throw out because they'd started maybe doing a couple of little adventures. It's a shame they didn't do that. Um, and now That's the company, they've moved it to, having seen what the Batman role-playing game looks like, um, I suspect the Conan role-playing game will be a pseudo 5e and will be terrible. Um, There's but, a Batman yeah. role-playing game? Uh, the company that did the Batman, was it the Gotham City Chronicles? board game monolith yeah is the company the third, monolith. the third kickstarter of this they decided to throw a role-playing game on the top but it's like they've taken 5e and messed around with it the quick start is bad but i was like i quite like the idea of a batman role-playing game so i'll i'll back this and see what it'll turn out to be you back everything um it wasn't terrible <laughs> it, it's not i do i do back everything. it's not it's not marvel multiburst 616 system we, bad so we did that's, the that's we played that, that play test on bastard quest how with with a great deal of pain <laughs> um you should i need to listen to that episode i want to we hear had, someone trying we had, to we play had fun it. with it but uh -oh. um so i'm the only veteran rpger on on bastard quest all the other guys they've uh with the exception of austin i think austin has played in a, a different 5e campaign after first playing on our on our show but generally i all the stuff they've the most of their experience you've heard right it's on it's on our show so so when i got the play test for marvel i thought hmm man i'm not a big fan of this and i was interested to see how how relatively new players would take it and they did not care for it yeah i mean i i, I ran 
combat against myself just to basically prove to the people out there that were saying the system was fine that this system was the most broken thing i'd ever played and luckily slowly they are starting to listen and by now 1.3 um it's moving towards the right direction so i think it may well be playable Good. when the final version comes out june of next year so but <clears throat> if you listen to our sh to our episode it, it'll, it'll be present i don't I, I don't we did this months ago so i don't remember all the mechanics but i do remember i think Corey was playing wolverine and there was some mechanic by which it was pretty easy for him to do and he just did just so much damage and I think it was killing. I think he killed like the uh, the Hydra Thor, in in the pre in the adventure they have just almost instantly. Yeah, and I remember thinking, man, that's broken. There are there are massive. I'm surprised he managed to hit him actually, but there was there's, there was all all kinds of problems, and it, it was all the math. It was all the kind of thing. Someone's kind of like, we'll take this, 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 and no one sat down and gone. Actually, if we just you do the numbers, this this is impossible, or this is yeah, there's sort there's loads of problems with that system, but they are moving in the right yeah. direction. It's still going to have issues, but it's going to have less issues, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a huge Marvel fan, and uh, well, I'm a big superhero fan. I don't uh, I like the Marvel stuff, but I I hope it's good. Um, I've been I guess unsatisfied with most of the superhero RPGs yeah, that have come out in 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 history but. we have an episode where we address why that's so such a problem actually yeah or why yeah, we think talked. it's such oh, a problem yeah. we've kind of done supers a few uh, we literally did an episode on like genres that are really hard to do and supers were sort of our top of our list and I, we've talked about it again when we've talked about things we'd like to do with 2d20 and it's tough reality is super, it's really tough to model. is really really difficult to do so i mean yeah i, yeah. I kind of i just i'd accept a marvel game that was playable so it doesn't have to be great it just needs to be sort of fun <laughs> and okay and somehow they released it was a beta i'm glad they did a beta if they'd released this game as final it would have been a disaster um well i'll have to go back and listen to that uh i think it's a really hard thing to do it's the riffs problem right there's just everything is in it of course, Rip, yeah, Rips is a problem setting-wise, but it's no. also a problem because it's married to that system. No, it's an amazing, <laughs> it's an amazing setting. There's nothing wrong with the setting. Stop it. It's uh, it yeah, is my like contention Torg too. So that's you know, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Kyle, if you it, it is my <laughs> if you want to if you want to hear a really funny thing, we did. Uh, it might have been uh, two years ago now. It was two years ago. Oh, it was two years. We did. This was it? No, it was a year ago. No, it wasn't. It was the end of 2020. So it's two years ago now we've been doing this. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Blur. Um, but we did we did a pair of episodes where we did our favorite all-time games and our all-time most hated games. And near in my top five all-time loved games was Torg. And in Jeremy's top five hated games was Torg. <laughs> we were like, oh wow. Nice. Okay. Nice. I, I'm not super familiar with uh, Torg. Do you need do you need flying um, laser pharaohs with like uh Yes. with ninja white gorilla <laughs> assistant yes. computer hacker do you need that yeah. no you don't. nazi superhero pharaoh talk with like people well yeah it's great jetpacks and pharaohs. again are we talking about riffs we're again yes. because that we're sounds talking about like riffs and how about similar, roar yeah. or, 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 or like a, there, uh like tifts yeah. or something like that they're 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 anyway talk system was better. don't get I mean, me started a low bar such a low five. Oh no! Top five and worst yeah. five. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to listen to that. That would be that'd be a hard that'd be a hard one to come. Well, up I didn't. With. I didn't. I wasn't very good at sticking to five. I think I did about a top fifty. You did. You did. <laughs> You're a bad listener. 
Well, I've got to, we got to, I got to wrap because I have mm -hmm. things I must do uh, in place of the things I like to do. Uh, although I do like to do the things I must do, I must do them. So I have to, I have to sure. depart. I know, I know. Well, see, you get away with it, Chris, because you're, it's evening there. Yes. It's evening there. Um, but Kyle, thank you so much, man. Thank you for reaching out. I really, I appreciate it. I'm glad that this, uh, I'm glad it worked out with the adventure and I'm glad that this here that we're talking about working out and it has worked out and it'll be cool. We'll have to, we'll have to figure out some ways to collaborate and point back and forth to each other in the, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'll definitely, when we, when we inevitably get to Star Trek, I don't know what the timeline is on it. I'll definitely be referencing, uh, whatever, uh, fluff and crunch episodes I used to, to prep and for it. Incidentally, there is a, I know Chris hates these, but there is an introductory adventure in the back of the Klingon rule book. Um, he hates those because he hates page count being devoured by a one-time use thing. But the adventure in the back of the Klingon rulebook has a Fair. really, I think, story-wise, like a cool Klingon undertone to it, like the whole like honor and sacrifice and very Klingon-y kind of thing with lots of Batleth fighting. Well, so, yeah, I mean, come for the Klingons, stay for the Batleth <laughs> fighting. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, yeah, it's like. Thanks very much for all the kind words you had in oh, your podcast because sure. I was listening to it. There were so much nice things you said. I was like, oh, this is really nice. So, someone's listening and actually appreciates us. Um, I also have to say thank you to Jeremy because I did like next to nothing. When I was listening to it, you kept going like, <laughs> oh, thanks to Fluff and Crunch guys. And I was like, wow, I literally, Jeremy did all the work and I like read it and gave him a tiny amount of feedback. And I was like, wow, I feel so bad because it was all Jeremy. Which is Jeremy. Which is technically it was help. help. It is technically help, but I was like one percent me and like ninety nine percent Jeremy. So oh, hopefully in the future we can actually do something. We couldn't arrange our schedules to do something yeah. together that you could then use. So Jeremy said, "I'm just going to go and do it." And I was like, "You do that." And I'll well, hey, it. if you guys want, I mean, you can go. It, it'll be weeks, months, more likely before we get to Star Trek because we have a lot of things in the hopper. If you want to come up with some sort of Klingon nightmare adventure that i can just put them through a grinder or or whatever a very honorable I, grinder. Be, I will if it's star trek it'll still honorable. be all jeremy because i know like so little about star trek but i'm sure i can find another system and go right right i can do that you know what i could do or maybe actually, I'll, or maybe i'll alter my acting cthulhu christmas scenario and make it about like i know the easter bunny or something and then i can give you that we will i will i will always take free adventures that i don't have to spend time <laughs> coming up with myself Chris says that too. Yeah, we've we've done <laughs> we've done episodes on that as well. Oh <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, thank you so much. This is cool, and we will definitely we'll continue a collaboration. We'll fire ideas off each other. And uh, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Have a have a great great day. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Have a thank good you, one. Kyle. Cheers.